restoration to life, consciousness, vigor, strength, use, and acceptance. Welcome to the Lion's Pen, the official podcast of the Heirs Project, Art and Revival Speaks. The information, opinions, and resources expressed on the Lion's Pen podcast and blog or the Heirs Project website are not a substitute for professional treatment. You should always contact your medical or mental health professional for advice and treatment. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911. My name is Samantha Simons, AIRS founder. I'm a peer support specialist, yoga and meditation teacher, creatrix, and I'll be your primary host for this podcast. Welcome back to the Lion's Pen Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Simons, and today we're talking with Jessica Sanchez, who is an artist of different mediums, but very well known in this area for her ceramics work. Welcome to the podcast, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, is there anything you'd like to say to introduce yourself before we jump in today? Um, so, I mean, like you said, I, I dabble in lots of different mediums. Um, some I have more success with than others. Um, I, I really do um, enjoy playing around and trying new things and experimenting. And uh, sometimes I realize that was a bad idea and I'll just put that one aside and never do that again. Um, but pottery and ceramics um, are one of the things that, you know, I, I've kept coming back to over the years. Um, sometimes I'm, you know, I, I don't want to say serious about it, but um, I'm a little bit more um, regular and it's a bit bigger part of my routine. And then other times it's something that I um, kind of uh, put aside for a little while, but I always come back to that. And so um, just being able to work with my hands and kind of make a mess and then know that I can just clean it all up. And if I, um, if I like what I've done, it's great. If I don't like what I've done, um, I can just ball it up and start over again. So that's that's one of the things about ceramics that's um, I think been really good for me is just to realize that it's not permanent. Um, I mean, you know, you can always start over, or if you get to a point where you can't, you can always just smash it. So uh, I'm down with smashing, <laughs> <laughs> but that's almost that could be a philosophy for life. I feel like uh, make a mess clean it up. If you don't like it, ball it up and start all over again. <laughs> and I, but I like the lighthearted, um, the lighthearted way you presented that also, because it can be scary, especially as an adult to, uh, whether it's art or a career or a family decision relationship, it can be very unnerving to try and start something again. So I like that. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and Jessica and I actually met when we were both working together in the yoga industry. So I, I got to see the marketing creative side of her before I got to see um, all of these other, I guess, more intuitive, free-flowing art things. But it's something that once you get to know her, she just shows up as an artist, period. It's a big part of her life. Thank you. It is it is a big part of my life, and um, like I said, sometimes it sometimes it's 
a big part in that it's a big um, part of what I do. And in sometimes sometimes it shows up as more of me being appreciative and um, learning through others' artwork. So I, I, I enjoy both doing and, um, and kind of being the viewer or the audience for others' artwork too, so. Uh, I appreciate that as well. Um, I think that not just inspiration for projects, but inspiration in general, inspiration for life and for feeling comes from appreciating what other people have put out into the world as well. So first question, now that we know a little bit about you, why is intersectional expressive arts important to you? So as we were saying before we started recording here, I, I had to look up exactly what this meant. Um, but then once I once I looked it up and, and actually um, your last guest had a fantastic um, definition for it. So it was nice to hear, um, hear it explained um, even after I'd read about it to, to know, okay, yes, I, I think I understand what that is now. But um, you know, there's just, there's so much to learn from others about their background and their community and their experiences through art. And I think we often focus on just the aesthetics of something, of the artwork and forget about how powerful the process of creation can be. And, um, you know, as, as, as in my own work, um, I love talking to other artists about how they got interested in their chosen media. And for me, um, I had just had my daughter. So this was um, um, about 12 years ago because she was about to turn one. And I was looking for something that wasn't my nine to five, actually more than nine to five, but you know, my, my day job and wasn't baby and was something that I could, um, could could do that was more me and getting to you know basically play with mud and get my hands dirty one day and then experience with colors as my work went through the process um, was what really hooked me into pottery and you know I love when a piece turns out the way I'd hoped that it would and is you know maybe functional or aesthetically appealing um, but really, I get the same creative release regardless of the outcome. So, and I, like I was saying earlier, if it's if it's really bad, there still are lessons to be learned from going through the process of creating it. And if it's really really bad, then there's always the satisfaction of smashing it to bits. So, um, but you know, just just being able to um, being able to use art as a way to express what's come before and, um, and kind of where you are in life at this point, I think is, um, is really important and is a, is a good outlet for people that um, isn't always utilized to its, to its potential. I really like the fact that you mentioned at the beginning of the answer to this question, you're really interested in how people came to their art and origin stories are a big deal. Even if the, the specifics of someone's origin story don't necessarily come out, just knowing at what point in their life they shifted into this particular medium or you know, choosing to really follow their creative ventures and then 
kind of on the same vein of the origin story, art as a creative timeline is, is such a cool thing. Um, mm -hmm. I think that many people who create, whether they are, uh, you know, working artists or people who create because it's cathartic, but they're not doing this for necessarily a living or exposure, can still look back over time and see what they've done and pinpoint what events were going on in their life, where they lived or what they were experiencing. And, you know, that's, that's why so many famous artists have quote unquote periods. <laughs> right. They go through different periods. So, okay. Yeah. And I mean, I think that the, this question can be really intricate and specific, but I also think it can be really simple. Why is it important to you? Because it's a part of my life. It's a timeline. I learned from it. Uh, it was there for me when I had a major life change. Simple as that. Yeah. And I am one of the lucky beneficiaries of some of Jessica's work. I do have Jessica's art in my home. <laughs> well, one of the things that's important to me on this podcast is even though the heirs project is focused on recovery, that doesn't mean that every single person we connect with in the community is on a recovery journey. You know, we might connect with people who are simply passionate about art or people who are simply passionate about other people and what makes them tick and what makes them thrive. But at the root of everything for recovery, the foundation is hope. So for you and your life, how do you define hope and then weave it into your life and into your art? Um, so I kind of looked at this question um, as, you know, as I'm going through the process of creating a piece. Um, and so, you know, um, I hope when I'm working on a piece, I, I generally have an idea of what I want to make. And, you know, whether it's a bowl or a coffee mug or um, a vase for flowers, you know, and I hope that it turns out the way I intend it to from the start. But um, I also hope that I can appreciate the end product, even if not. And quite honestly, they usually don't turn out exactly as I'd hoped. There's almost always a wonky side or a lip that's fatter on one edge than the other. Um, but then also sometimes pieces turn out um, as an even better than hoped for surprise, like when glazes react differently than I expected them to, or you know they had before. Um, or I looked at it and thought the function was going to be one thing, and somebody comes along and says, hey, wait a minute, I would use it this way. Um, so, you know, of course, there's still the hope that someone else appreciates the work too and can find a connection to it. Um, it's nice to see your work being used, like you mentioned, having some pieces of mine. And I loved, um, I went into somebody's house a few years ago that I had gifted a piece to, um, what, like one of my very first pieces. And they actually had it on the nightstand in the room that I was staying in. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's just so sweet. And um, so I love seeing it being used um, and I love using it myself. I eat breakfast almost every morning out of a bowl that I made, you know, during my first session. Um, in the studio and it's still one of my favorite pieces. So I think hope um, just kind of 
having a hope and having kind of an idea of how you want things to be, but also knowing that um, sometimes what you hope for isn't, you can, you can get even better results than what you hope for at times or better experiences than what you hope for at times. And um, just learning to have those hopes, but also not be too um, tied to them, if that makes, I don't know if that makes any sense. That makes perfect sense. In fact, I am a lover of words and their meanings and where they come from. And one word I really like is consequences. And it often has a negative connotation with it. Like if you do this, yeah. then this is a bad result. But consequence is simply the result of a choice or an action. And I love the, the sort of mentality that hope allows you to visualize what you want something to be. But hope also allows you to accept it if it's not what you wanted it to be. Right. And so that the, the consequence or the result of that <laughs> is either you get what you wanted or you get something different altogether that you have the opportunity to appreciate anyway. One thing that folks will hear me say uh, probably more times than you want to, because I have horrible short-term memory issues. I work a lot with fiber and one of the things that my mom said to me or has said to me all my life actually uh, that sticks with me is we love people flaws and all and I mm -hmm. used to get really hard on myself when I would make a mistake knitting or crocheting and she said but leave it in there as long as it's not going to compromise the integrity of the piece it's not going to fall apart keep it in there and so now if I make something for someone when I give it to them in a note, I say, and there are intentional flaws throughout this piece because I want to embrace imperfection and encourage others to as well. Mm -hmm. So I love that. This is one of my favorite questions and perhaps you'll enjoy it too, given that you enjoy learning about other people's passion and processes. What are you curious or passionate about these days? So um, it's funny because when I when I read this question, the first thing that jumped into my head was people. So it, I mean, it goes along with what I had said earlier a little bit. But you know, I've, I've always been interested in people, their stories, what drives them, what makes them tick. Um, you know, how we're different, how we're the same. And especially this year, it's just been, it's been such a disconnected year. Um, not a bad year. I mean, for me personally, it's been a bad year um, for lots of people. And I know that, um, but it's just been a very odd and strange year. And I'm really looking forward to being able to connect and interact with people again. Um, I just, you know, I miss hearing about other people's experiences, especially their creative processes and stories. Um, but I just, I just love people. <laughs> I like that. Um, we, Jessica and I had the opportunity a few years ago to work together on uh, a 24 hour fundraising event that was thrown together in a very quick manner. And it required a lot of hard work, but a lot of creativity and teamwork to make it happen in that short of a time span and get sponsors on board, uh, get people to attend the event and 
blast that event out there to the world that couldn't attend to on social media and through Facebook Live and things like that. Uh, and I don't recall a single moment of complaint or frustration from you because you kept focused on what the end goal was. Yeah, that was, and that was such a fun, <laughs> it was, it was work, but it was such a fun event too. Um, and it was, it was a good, um, it was a good way to see people in kind of a different um, light than we, we normally did. Cause we would see people a lot of times come in and out for class and, you know, we didn't really see much before or after the class. And so getting to see them for longer stretches of time and in kind of a different, um, not environment, because it was the same, same place, but just um, being in a little bit different mindset was a lot of fun. That's a great point, because you don't necessarily have to change your environment to change your perspective. True, yeah. Uh, what is one myth that you have encountered that you would like to debunk? And this can be in any realm whatsoever. It could be mental health, creativity, anything else. So I, um, I did think about this from um, kind of a mental health um, bench, but, you know, I think a myth although I feel like this myth isn't, isn't nearly as um, prevalent today as it has been some in the past, but really that there's kind of one form of treatment or therapy that works for everybody. Um, I think it's really difficult to find what works for the individual and it takes time and experimentation. Um, you know, personally, I know that I feel better when I can be in the studio on a regular basis and working um, but I also need to be outside. I need some kind of exercise. Um, I need, I need yoga, even though I don't get it as much as I should right now. Um, I need to eat healthy to feel, you know, to feel like the me I want to be. Um, I can tell that I'm not that me without this balance of all these different things, you know, and, um, and sometimes even with all those, <laughs> even when all those things are present, it's, you know, it just isn't working, but, um, and when I, you know, when I kind of get to that point where I'm like, okay, all the things that I thought I needed are here, but I'm still not where I want to be, then I, you know, try, need to try and figure out what I can change to get closer to, to feeling that way. And um, it's not always the same. I mean, the basic needs are, are there and are, and are pretty much the same for me. But sometimes the thing that fills that need is different or has to, you know, um, kind of take a back seat to something else because of what's going on in another part of my life. Um, so it's, it's a constant reevaluation. Um, and I feel like, you know, even um, it's just always nobody is, you can't set a plan and say, this is it. And if I do this, everything will be great forever and ever. Um, the end, you know, it, it's always looking at, okay, is this working or do I need to change something? Can I change something? Um, do I need to be out running more instead of um, 
playing piano or do I need to play more piano instead of being out running more, you know, just um, looking at things that that you've used in the past and and trying to figure out where they might fit um, in your life at this point. So that sounds like it ties back into your discussion on hope being, you know, this is what I would like the outcome to be, but I'm going to adapt no matter what the outcome is. And it's that adaptability. And this is something maybe I should have said in the first podcast episode. Uh, mental health is help. Mental health is not just someone living with one or more mental health diagnoses. It, you don't need to be diagnosed as schizoaffective disorder or major depressive disorder or whatnot to care about your mental health. Everyone deserves to have a plan and for it to be individual and for it to be fluid because what you need one day, just like you said, may not be what works for you the next. Right. Fluid. That's the word I was trying to think of earlier. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not, it can't be strict. I mean, there are some things that I feel like I need to be strict with myself on at times, but for the most part, it needs to be able to be adjusted and adjustable, um, depending on the individual and, and, and where the individual is at that point. Yes. To piggyback on that, uh, for many people who are living with mental health conditions, but also for people who are not, but crave control, the fluid aspect is hard. Yes. Because we want to grab for what we know is predictable, what we know has worked before, what is easy to do, because that's how our brain's wired. Our brain wants to do what it knows. But if what it knows is not effective in the moment, it is up to us to really, you know, work hard and seek the support we need if necessary to try something different. What is one challenge that you have either overcome or you've seen another person overcome and what was the consequence or the lessons that came from that? Um, this one was when I had a little bit of a challenge with, because <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't talk about this a lot, um, but I had an eating disorder back in college. And mm -hmm. um, while I feel like I got out of it okay, I know there are things I still need to be careful about. Um, around that. And, you know, part of me knows that I'm incredibly lucky to have uh, less obvious um, lifelong concerns around that than, you know, some people have um, ongoing. And with my daughter being a teenager now, um, which is fantastic and wonderful. Um, <laughs> but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I think because of having that experience, um, when I was growing up, I'm very aware of how easy it is to get into those kinds of habits. Um, and you know, not that that makes me any better to deal with that. I don't think, um, just kind of being hope hopefully being more aware of it and maybe being able to, um, to notice things more, um, and, and be able to be supportive, um, 
if you know if if there's anything to um, to watch out for, but um, I think I think society is better informed in some ways today around today around those kinds of issues than it was when I was growing up. Um, but I also think that the culture of today is even more difficult to grow up in. So, um, so just knowing that it's a really easy habit to get into and a really difficult habit to get out of mm. and knowing that, um, you know, even though I do feel like for the most part, I'm okay with it, obviously, um, the fact that I don't talk about it a lot means that I'm not hundred percent okay with it. So, um, so just trying to be kind of aware of those kinds of things that, um, that can affect younger people today and, and knowing that society and culture are such a big part of the experience growing up and, and going through these phases um, and just trying to help any way that I can to support my daughter specifically, but you know, anybody else too. But of course she's the closest to me, both literally physically and um, emotionally. So I don't wanna see anybody else have that issue if, if we can help it, so. Uh... Thank you for being vulnerable and brave to share that because that is a very, um, a very sensitive thing. And I think that if that's been a part of someone's experience, even moving forward from that, as you said, it still, you know, it still lingers um, for some people more so than others, but I don't necessarily know for most of us, and I say us because I'm also in eating disorder recovery. I don't know that it completely goes away. And as also the mother of two teenagers, I'm glad to know what those signs look like, but sometimes I worry that I am seeing things that may not be there. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, and it is a double edged sword. You and I are very close in age. And when we were younger, uh, there were not as many resources and not as many open discussions for this topic as there are now. But we also did not deal with um, the internet 24 seven. Yeah. So it becomes a very different ballgame. And I think it's very important, just as you said, to start at home. And those that are closest to us, just let them know that they are loved and cared for and supported. And if there is any struggle that they're experiencing, we are safe places to land for those things. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, that's a, that's a big one. Um, that's a big life experience for, you know, I guess experience says because it was what you lived and what you're now uh, as you said, hoping to not have to see others go through. And thank you, by the way, for saying young people, because yeah. there is a very common misconception out there. Right. Number one, eating disorders is 
anorexia in females. Um, so very, very thin females. Uh, and um, number two, if a person is of a different sized body, that they cannot be suffering from an eating disorder, which is absolutely incorrect. That's a, right. that's a myth I want to help debunk. <laughs> and I say that from a, a cis, white, privileged, relatively in shape body. Um, so I recognize that I am not in a margin marginalized category with that, but I do know that that's still a very big problem. Well, let's, let's go a little lighter because that's the important <laughs> topic. And again, thank you so much for your willingness to bring that to light for us. But I also know that there is so much to you that is just a really radiant, bright light and you're a fun, energetic, creative, intelligent person to be around. What are some things that make you feel inspired or connected to be the best version of you? So um, I think it kind of goes back to that some balance of nature, um, health, breath, work, um, people. You know, I know I like to be busy and I need to be busy. And some of that came out of um, what we were just talking about, the kind of need to distract myself. Um, but um, I, I think just really having a balance of um, influences that are healthy and, um, and diverse and learning um, from people. You know, I, I love being, um, sometimes people ask me if I'd like to be able to do my work from home. And there are times when I'm like, yeah, that'd be great because I could just pick up whenever I want to. And if I have to leave something, it's fine. I'll just come back to it later. Um, but I really enjoy being in a studio environment because I will be working on something and I'll watch somebody else work. And I'm like, oh, that looks really cool. <laughs> so just being able to kind of learn from other people and, um, and, and being able to experiment with things. And, you know, like I said before, being able to try something and, and say, well, that didn't work <laughs> or being able to try something and go, oh, that's a whole new way of doing something that I hadn't thought of before. So, um, I think, you know, I think it's, it's that just having lots of different avenues for, um, for being able to learn new things and, um, and being able to get outside a lot. Um, I'm always inspired by things in nature. And I love, um, you know, I love when my work can be um, kind of a, ref of a reflection on that. Um, so I think that's what I would say. I definitely see the nature influence in your work. And we will link to Jessica's art in the show notes, by the way. Um, you said a couple really powerful words there that I wanted to highlight. You said influences and avenues. And when I hear the word influences with regard to 
a person being their best self or continuing to grow and expand, that to me sounds like you still get to be in the driver's seat. It's not, uh, it's not a fix it. It's not necessarily a method or a modality or a treatment. It's an influence. It's something that you take inspiration from and then run with for yourself, which recovery needs to be. Um, recovery needs to be individual. Art also needs to be individual. It's inspired by, but it's still someone's own stamp on something. And then avenues. I, uh, I just wrote a poem a few days ago from a vision I'd been ruminating on for weeks. And the, I'm opening up my notebook now to make sure that I don't um, butcher it. But it's, uh, it, it starts out of all the, the playgrounds and the sad towns and the side streets in between. Hmm. All those avenues, they're going to lead to some cool places. Mm -hmm. We're just open to kind of wander through them. Right. I know one of my, um, I hadn't even thought about this in forever until you said that, but um, when I first moved to the DC area, I, um, I was working, you know, a good bit, but I had pretty free weekends. And so I would, um, I would take the metro down to DC. I lived in um, Vienna area. So I would take the metro down to DC and I would just literally wander around the city and um, I would get lost <laughs> and then I'd have to find my way back. But because of that, I discovered so many areas of the city that I probably wouldn't have otherwise and little coffee shops and little music shops and things that probably a lot of them aren't there anymore. But, um, but you know, it was just, it was such a neat experience to be able to explore these areas that, I mean, they weren't like going out hiking and um, doing anything like climbing a mountain. So it wasn't like that, but it was, um, it was just such a neat experience to be able to just kind of wander around and not have any real destination and know that, yeah, I mean, if I got lost, I got lost and somehow I'd find my way back either on my own or ask directions, you know? So, um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that in a long time though. I can, I can imagine that being in the DC area provides plenty of opportunity to wander and discover. And that actually yeah. makes me think, uh, and I'll link, I'll link to this person's social in the show notes as well, but I'm currently in a mindful writing workshop weekly and the facilitator, Sarah Harrington, she's a yoga teacher, founder of homeschooled kids yoga teacher training and a published author affiliated with Loyola Marymount's master's in yoga studies program. So she's pretty diverse and she is in the New York City area. And uh, she has lately been posting on her Instagram pictures of writing and graffiti about mm -hmm. the city and, and kind of taking messages from those and inspiration. So that's, that could be, that could be a little bit of fun. That could be a nice way to be out in nature and find inspiration and really fill up your own cup without an agenda. Right. 
What is one tip that you have for making the world a better place? Uh, so I thought about this one a lot. Um, and I think one tip would be um, to forgive. Mm. And when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about, you know, forgiving others, forgiving yourself. Um, we're all we're all going to make mistakes and do things, usually not on purpose. Sometimes we do things on purpose that hurts someone else or ourselves. And, um, and then, I mean, flip side, we're all going to be hurt by someone else or, or our own selves. Um, again, usually not on purpose. Occasionally it's on purpose, but usually not. Um, we can't necessarily change it. If we change it, we can't really stop it from happening but um being able to forgive can help move it back away from how we treat each day and you know learn from it if there's something to be learned but then let it go and ask for forgiveness if you need to even even if you're just asking yourself for that forgiveness we do have to grant ourselves forgiveness sometimes and asking it of ourselves and others can be tough and giving yep. Can be tough normalizing the ability to make mistakes and come back from those i think is really important in relationships with yourself and others i know you and your love of music <laughs> <laughs> so you're headed off on a road trip what three songs are at the top of your playlist okay so my top three songs I made a Spotify playlist years ago. Actually, it started on Pandora and then it got really junky on Pandora. So I had to, I had to stop it, but, um, cause I just kept adding stuff to it. And then with the way Pandora was, it would add more and more and more stuff to it. But I think the three songs I added first were, uh, somewhere over the rainbow, you are my sunshine and slip sliding away. Um, there's a lot of other stuff on there that's more current and poppier, but those were the first ones I think I added to it. Um, I've always loved those three songs and they remind me a lot of growing up and they remind me a lot of home and family. Um, I love all the different, you know, versions and recordings of both Somewhere Over the Rainbow and You Are My Sunshine. And they've been done so many, by so many different people and in so many different ways um, that, you know, I asked Clint about this and he said, well, you have to pick songs you won't get tired of. I'm like, I know that's, that's true. Um, but those three songs, I think I could listen to all the time. Those are classic choices. And that was the first thing that popped into my mind when you said those were, wow, these, these have been covered by anyone and everyone under the sun. And you can reach, you know, depending on what your mood is, you can find a cover of any of these songs that suits your mood, no matter what your mood is. Right. Yeah. There's a version, uh, Johnny Cash does a version of you are my sunshine that's yep. very uh melancholy 
Yeah, and there's, um, yeah, there's so many, but yeah, I like his is a really good one and, and very um, touching, I guess. Um, there's also one by Jamie Johnson that's mm -hmm. um, like almost eerie sounding, which sounds kind of weird. You are my sunshine. Shouldn't, I mean, doesn't seem like it could be eerie, but somehow he's made it that way. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's true. Like you can find, even though um, it sounds all sunshiny rainbowy. <laughs> um, you can find a version that kind of fits what you need right then. Absolutely. And that's one of the things I love so much about music is there is a song, a genre, a musician, a vibe, no matter where you're at any given time. And there's a, a plug for the social media account, Heavy Metal Therapy. There are actual uh, findings that say that more metal rock based music is very healing and cathartic. So hmm. that one's that that was an interesting thing for me to discover and they have a podcast as well that that touches on uh, why heavy metal music is such a healing thing for people. Um, mm -hmm. I, I can tell you that if if I am in a really struggle place and I am in the car alone, Foo Fighters all my life, as loud as it can possibly go, windows down, just screaming, and it makes me feel better. <laughs> right. <laughs> Definitely the antithesis of you are my sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's probably... Oh, somebody that's done a heavy metal version of that song. I'll have to find that. Well, this, this is our podcast signature question. And it has been so, so cool for me to hear what everyone's contribution to personal revival looks like. If you're crafting a recipe for personal revival, what are a few essential ingredients that must be included? Okay. The three th key things that I would have are music, so um, movement and lima beans. Um, <laughs> and music, yeah, see, I knew I wouldn't be able to say it with a straight face. Um, music, so, I mean, just like we were talking about, I love music of all kinds and it's always playing in our house. It's in my car all the time. Josie and I both play piano, Clint plays guitar. Um, we splurged on a record player a few years ago. Our neighbor was moving. They gave us like all their old records. And it's, I mean, some of it we wouldn't probably have bought on our own, but listening to these records that somebody else had collected is kind of, um, is kind of interesting. And then we've been adding, you know, uh, vinyl from newer artists over the years too. Um, but I just love how music can be so many different things. It can be comforting and soothing if that's what you need. It can be uplifting and energizing. Like you were talking about just a minute ago, it can be get all your feelings out. Um, but it, it just, it can be so many different things. Um, and it's just kind of always there for me. So I, I love music. Um, movement, um, whether it's, you know, working with my hands in the studio, whether it's walking or running or, biking though I'm still still working on that one I'm not good at that yet um yoga you know just whatever it is that's available 
to, to me where I am. Um, it's good for my body. So like we were talking about before, like health and mental health are so, um, really so interrelated and interconnected. And especially for, for me, um, being a healthy person is so important because for a while I was such a not healthy person. Um, so, you know, movement is good for my body, but it's also good for my mind and my heart. Um, I think better when I move, I feel better when I move, I act better when I move, meaning I'm <laughs> like nicer to the people around me. Um, I just am better when I move. So that's a really important piece for me. Um, and then lima beans. So lima beans are really home and family, um, but they're also delicious. And if you, um, if you cover them with water and boil with just a tiny bit of oil and salt and pepper until almost all the water is gone, they'll be plump and soft and taste like South Carolina summers, which are a good thing. Um, but home and family are so important to who I am. Um, my family has both, you know, my parents and siblings and now um, Clint and Josie, they've, they've been there for me. They've been um, very supportive of my endeavors and allowing me to try new things. And I know full well that they knew some of them wouldn't work out, but they still encouraged me to go through the process. So um, that's just a big part of I think, um, you know, me growing into who I am and, and continuing to grow into who I'll become. So music, movement, and lima beans. We may have to uh, make that the subtitle of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I too love lima beans and I too am a Carolina girl just north. Right, yeah. And I love that sentiment. I think that as you were talking about that, I'm hearing your voice, but I'm seeing imagery of my own childhood. Um, and I, I think that's beautiful. You said, what's available to me where I am? And accessibility is huge for anything, whether it be medical care, um, resources, food in many cases, physical mm -hmm. activity. Uh, accessibility is something that we can continue working on. And so for one of your ingredients to be using what's available, that's powerful. And I love that you have such a sweet and strong support system at home. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. Yeah. Mm. I, uh, I suffer from what I like to call small box syndrome, where if I start to become successful at something and do it well, I will find a way to sabotage it myself because I don't want to grow big. <laughs> and when I started to, to prepare uh, ideas for the Airs project, this was a year ago in the making. Uh, and then not too long ago when the podcast became an idea, I think my husband, Andy was a little bit, uh, yeah, okay, well, we'll see if it sticks. <laughs> uh, and this is episode four, so we're on a good roll. We're keeping up the momentum. Uh, but I do, I say that, I say that partly serious, but partly in jest, because 
I definitely have support at home and know the importance of having a support system. So that's pretty cool. And now I want lima beans. <laughs> <laughs> have to add that to the grocery list this week. They are, they are so good, yes. Well, this has been wonderful. It's been fun. It's been serious. It's been very informative. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners that we haven't touched on? There was, there was a question you had about um, a memory and it made me think about um, a time a few years ago when Clint was working a lot on the weekends, but that was when my, it was supposed to be my studio time. And um, I didn't want to, I didn't want to give up that time if I, if I didn't have to. Um, but it was when Josie was quite a bit younger. Um, and I had an instructor at the time who was really low key and was kind of like, okay, if it, you know, as long as it doesn't disrupt anybody else in the class, it's fine if you bring her with you. And so I was like, okay, I'll try it. And um, the first, it was, it was hard at first because I was trying to work, but also trying to keep her out of everything. And I was so worried about her, um, you know, distracting another person or breaking something of somebody else's or, you know, things like that. And then a um, couple weeks went by and I was like, well, maybe I just, maybe I just shouldn't try to work so much on my own, maybe, and, and keep her out of everything. Maybe I should bring her into what I'm, what I'm working on. And so I started, um, we started working together on some things. And so I would do a lot of the work. I would either throw the piece or if it was a um, hand-built form, I would, you know, put it together, put it into the basic shape that we wanted to work in. But then she would come in and add texture or designs and she, I would let her, I would set aside a few pieces and I would say, okay, these are yours to glaze, whatever you want to do with them. And, and I couldn't tell her what to do with them. And I couldn't tell her, no, don't mix all those colors together. Um, and it was just, it was, it was amazing to see the results. And it was, it was also amazing to see how much she got into the process. Um, but she would, you know, she was so much freer in her choices and um, what she would, you know, what, what glazes she would combine and things like that. And so um, it was just really beautiful to see those pieces come out and see how, um, how you don't have to always play by the rules of, you know, only these two colors can go together or I can't put too much design on that because it, it'll be, it'll be too busy. Um, so it just, it really taught me to not be so concerned about the outcome all the time and to, to experiment and play more throughout the process. And so, um, I just feel like that's something that I need to remind myself of a lot in both in the studio and just in general is that, um, you know, yes, sometimes there are absolutely rules that we need to follow. But then sometimes it's good to um, to really not take things so seriously and and to um, to play more. But also it reminds me that if something's not working, 
um, like me trying to keep her out of everything and, and me just keep working on my stuff and kind of the vacuum, even though she was sitting right beside me, um, to bring her into that and, and to help to have, um, to kind of think about problems in a different way. Um, and I'm not very good at that most of the time, but, um, but trying to remind myself of that, I think is important. And that can be really tough to do whenever uh, parenting or anytime the situation is, ex, you know, creates the, I was going to say the obstacle, but also the opportunity to have to shift and figure out a different way. I think we can take things away from that, but also just the wonderful fact that you learned from your child. Right. <laughs> and she's a pretty amazing human, by the way. Um, we're going to keep her, her identity pretty close because she's <laughs> young, but she is a wonderful young lady. And I have had the opportunity the last few years to see her grow. Um, and it's easy to see how someone could learn some valuable life things from her. Just don't let her get a big head. <laughs> Should we edit that part out? <laughs> well, like I said, this has been great. I am so excited that you are willing to come on and let our listeners get to know a little bit more about you. Is there somewhere that we can find you virtually and in person, you and your art? Um, so, yeah, so I'm... Um online a bunch of different places as Le Penny J. Um, I have, so I'm on Instagram. I have a Facebook page, although I've been very lax about updating anything on Facebook lately. Um, I have a website, lepennyj.com. I'm on Etsy, but that's also very far behind, um, partly because I just don't have a lot um, because of the studio being shared environment. We've been um, not able to work as much. So um, I don't have as much work, but I've, that's not, I've just always been very bad about keeping my Etsy site updated. Um, but it, it's out there and it's at Leap NAJ. Um, in person, I'm hoping um, to be able to do some area markets um, this year. I hope they're going to pick back up. Last year was really slow for a number of reasons, but, um, you know, most of the ones I do are outdoors. And so hopefully things like that can start to happen again. Um, they're mostly in the Arlington on Alexandria area. Um, and I do, you know, if I'm, if I'm doing those events, they'll be posted uh, to my website and then also, um, Instagram and Facebook. So, Wonderful. We will put those in the show notes so that you can get a peek at Jessica's amazing work and perhaps put a face with a voice from today. Uh, but I want to thank everyone for tuning in, listening. Please make sure that you subscribe on whatever streaming platform that you use and make sure that you come back next month to hear from our next honored guest. But for today, Jessica, thank you so much for allowing us to get a peek into your life and your process and get to know you a bit better. Thank you so much for having me. It was great talking to you. You too.
Find out more by visiting our website at theairsproject.org. That's T-H-E-A-I-R-S-P-R-O-J-E-C-T dot O-R-G. Again, this is Samantha Simons, founder of the Airs Project. Thank you for joining me today on The Lion's Pen, where we highlight the joy and impact of creative expression that helps shape and support us on our own individual journeys through the peer's lens of lived experience. The music for this podcast was created by Jared Simons Music, jsimonsmusic.com.